Sport Calgary is a volunteer-based nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow in Calgary. Hi, kids, and welcome back to the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary. I know who I am. I hope you know who you are. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great podcast. Oh, but in case you didn't know, I'm Rob Kerr. I'm your friendly podcast host and a uh, board member director for Sport Calgary. So happy to be um, with you uh, through this uh, crisis, through this, uh, this pandemic. Uh, don't wish to make light of it. Not at all. Uh, the whole reason behind the original Six Feet Conversation podcast is to do something for Calgarians, uh, something for sport in Calgary, tell some stories, uh, get some role models on, uh, get some behind-the-scenes stuff, and and really uh, just embrace sport and embrace Calgary. And uh, we're going to do that today. Oh, boy, are we going to do that today. I am so excited uh, to present today's guest. Um, she is uh, really, uh, well, one of my heroes. And I know she's going to be one of your heroes. Uh, I'm almost, I'll, I'll guarantee it. Uh, she is the reigning Olympic champion in uh, the 75 kilogram freestyle wrestling. Of course, she won that gold medal in Rio back in 2016. She is the one, the only Erica Weeb. Um, full disclosure, uh, love everything she's about. Uh, was a great moment when she won. But what has been incredible is watching her post Olympics taking the world literally by the throat and and making stuff happen. She's an incredible ambassador, including Alberta's first ever ambassador for sport. We're going to talk about that with her. We'll talk about the other things that she's involved in, but really want to break down what she's doing now with the news. When It's funny, when we started these podcasts, we were kind of you know, avoiding day-to-day real news. And, and early on, we had a couple of conversations on the, on the kind of the periphery of the Olympics, Tokyo 2020. And, you know, we talked about, and then bang, Canada said, nope, the right decision is not to go the next day. Uh, they delayed the, the Olympics, postponed the Olympics, hopefully for one year. So we'll talk a little bit about that with Erica. But really, um, I've never had the chance to kind of talk to her about her sport. And get in there and get into the weeds a little bit. Also, she's done some pretty cool things um, with wrestling that that you might not be aware of. You might be, but you might not be. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see if she'll chat with us about those things. This is fun. Erica Weeb is is just such an incredible person. Originally from Ottawa, but she's a Calgarian. Of course, she's a Calgarian. Uh, she's part of sport here in Calgary. Speaking of sport, Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member. It's easy and free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. Here she is, boys and girls. She is your reigning 75-kilogram freestyle Olympic wrestling champion, Erica Weeb. How are you dealing with all of this? Oh man, it has been a roller coaster of the last two weeks. I mean, when I think back on the timeline, it, what is it, March 25th today? 27th. And 27th. Oh my God. Okay. So it's March 27th. <laughs> and on March 14th, I officially punched my ticket to Tokyo um, in Ottawa in a arena that was empty because of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic was kind of just in the early days and we were probably the last competition to 
occur. Um, they, you know, it, thankfully they took all the measures that it was safe to do so. And I was able to wrestle and, you know, officially punch my ticket to Tokyo. And then uh, a week later, um, you know, Canada announced that they were not going to send a team to the Olympic games if they were to go forward, um, which I a hundred percent agreed with, um, you know, given the time that we're in, but you know, a huge part of my heart broke in that moment. And then the next day, the IOC postponed the Olympics officially. So, you know, I was back in business, potentially. Um, so many uncertainties. When will the games happen? You know, are qualified athletes going? Will the world ever return to normal? Um, it's, it's a scary place to be in. But, you know, at the end of the day, right now, what we're going through is bigger than sport. I just know that when we get out of it, sport will be such a big part of the recovery. It, it will be. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that, but let's get to the practical part first. Are you qualified? If they move them to 2021, the Olympics in Tokyo, are you qualified or will you have to requalify? So they did just announce this morning, the IOC announced that all athletes that have qualified for Tokyo 21, 2021, 2020 will continue to maintain their spots when the Olympic games do occur. So that was awesome. Okay. So from, so my Olympic quota spot for Canada is, has been maintained. And now we're just waiting for wrestling Canada to confirm that. But, um, and so, yeah, that's what we're waiting for, but you know what? There's so many uncertainties and whatever happens, I will be ready. <laughs> I, I think some people might be a little bit surprised, but can you walk us through the, the process for you to requal? Cause you're the defending champion. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that it, it was this late in the game that you would have requalified. Can you walk us through how qualification worked for you? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, every sport is different. Um, and you don't get in, but in any sport, you do not get a free pass to the Olympic games. If you having won the last one, <laughs> yep. you know, four, four years is a long time. And I, I was obviously had an amazing day in Rio in 2016, but, um, you know, lots of things would happen in four years, but, you know, thankfully I was able to still train and be ready to go. And so the first qualification for women's wrestling and men's wrestling is at the world championships in 2019. And so that was in September in Kazakhstan. And, um, you know, a couple of things happened in the build up to the 2019 worlds. Um, you know, one being, I was actually in a walking boot until the day that we flew to Kazakhstan. And so I didn't have its best performance, um, needless to say. So that was really disappointing for me. Um, I actually lost in the last 30 seconds of the quarterfinal and had I won, I would have qualified for, gotcha. um, Tokyo, but it is what it is. And so then so the next stage was in Canada, we had our Canadian team trials, which were in December of 2019. And, you know, that wasn't easy for me either. I actually had um, a world, the world champion from the weight class below, which is a non-Olympic weight. She had, has been my top competitor for the last six years. Um, and so she was, was the one I had to beat in a best two out of three in the finals. And so it's, she's an incredible athlete and, you know, a great competitor and so I had to beat her two times in a row to make the Canadian team and then there is the continental qualifiers and so in Ottawa we hosted the Pan-American Olympic qualifier and that was on March 14th and you know again I had um, a 20 
15 world silver medalist. I had the, U- the 2019 U23 world champion and you know a couple other, a lot of others women to, to beat that day. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the world of women's wrestling globally is just getting better every single day, which is super exciting for me to see. Um, but got to stay on top, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, so you said it like you, you know, just because you won in 2016 doesn't guarantee you anything. Did it give you any leg up along the process? Do you get any advantage? I think the advantages come mentally. Okay. Um, you know, like I've done it before. Like I have the, con- I know I have the confidence. I've done it before. You know, I know that I can compete under pressure. And so I think that, you know, that brings an advantage for sure. Being an Olympic champion. I, I mean, I've obviously I've had um, amazing support as well going into the Olympic games in 2016, but afterwards, you know, I've had, I have an incredible team around me that through the Canadian sports to Calgary that, you know, has made me the fittest, fastest, most badass version of myself <laughs> leading to 2020. So I feel like amazing because of that. And so, you know, there, I guess there's some advantages being an Olympic champion. There's also a lot of pressure, you know, that, that medal is really shiny, but it's real heavy too. <laughs> I was going to say, you have a target on your back, right? Every time you go to a tournament, every time you compete, because you are the reigning Olympic champion, there's a target on your back. Oh, for sure. I uh, I remember in the summer of 2013, I beat the 2012 Olympic champion from Russia, Natalia Vorobiev. I beat her for the first time. And, you know, that was kind of the first time that I was like, whoo, I could really be something in this sport. You know, it kind of meant something to, to beat an Olympic champion. Yeah. And. And now I know every single time I walk out onto the mats that that person knows, you know, knows me, knows my tactics and my, you know, my weaknesses as well as my strengths. And so they, they're, you know, trying to, you know, unseat an Olympic champion. And that's a, you know, everyone's bringing their A game against me. Everyone's trying to beat me. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of joy in being the underdog and I don't get that, um, that, you know that ability right now but you know it's okay being top dog too <laughs> uh, hey, hey, it's where you want to be i without giving away secrets if you and i watched tape of you in 2015 and tape of you recently would i notice a big difference do you notice a big difference are you is there one area that you've advanced in is there one area that you've you've changed or added to is there is there much difference in your technique and, and the way you approach the sport um i think that i'm still trying to get to be consistent Mm -hmm. and you know i walked off the mats in on that day that i competed in rio and i kind of turned to my coach paul ragusa and i was like you know paul like kind of i think we're just like scratching the surface of what i'm capable of um and so you know over the last four years i've got i've added so many different technical aspects to my wrestling um, you know, like I said, I'm like, I'm stronger and fitter than I ever have been at 30 where that's how I'm old, how old I am right now. And, uh, and, you know, and I think tactically I'm, I'm super dangerous. Like I'm a competitor and when the whistle blows, like I'm a really tough individual to beat because I just am a gamer when time, when the time is on. And so that's like one of my biggest strengths. And, and, um, and so yeah, I think people do see a different Erica. I think physically I look a lot different even um, yeah. than what I did, you know, five or six years ago. And, and it's a testament to the work that, 
I do on the mats and in the gym, but also the amazing team behind me that has crafted this little ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's let's introduce everybody to that team. What goes into to getting Erica we ready for Tokyo? Who who's involved in this process? Yeah, I mean, I, have, I work with a tech, my technical wrestling coach is Paul Ragusa, and Paul uh, he wrestled in the Olympic Games at forty eight kilos in nineteen ninety. Um, six in Atlanta. So he's a little guy. (laughs) And Paul actually as well coached Carol Wynn to an Olympic gold medal in 2008. And so in the summer of 2008, Paul would watch thousands of hours of video and would, they would spend one week each, each breaking down and Paul would spend a week mimicking each of Carol's opponents. So leading into the 2008 Olympic games, she had essentially spent hours wrestling each of her opponents um, in the body of Paul to you know be ready to go and so he, and he is just one of the best coaches in the world breaking down opponents and creating tactical game plans and also i think preparing athletes to perform at their best mentally right. um he's an amazing coach and so you know obviously i don't wrestle him because <laughs> he, he's a little bit smaller than me but um he is just you know he's been my coach basically for the last 10 years and we have this amazing relationship and you know there's no one I trust more in the world than Paul um, and myself. And so we have a great partnership. Um, you know, Mitch Osberg, he's the University of Calgary head coach for Dinos Wrestling. He's in the room with us and he was in my corner at the Olympic trials in December. And he's been my coach as well since I moved here in 2007. And so, you know, it's just great to have that consistent team around you um, at the Canadian Sport Institute Calgary that's where I train every single day <laughs> and, and I do a lot of Olympic lifting and just strength, general strength and conditioning. Um, and Quinn Sekulich is my strength coach. I work with a physiologist, Aaron Sargent and, um, and her, and then we also, we have a new physiologist we're working with Andrew Schmidt, um, our nutritionist, Kelly Drager. I work with a mental performance coach, Richard Monet. Um, you know, the people are endless. My physio, Lisa Hofer, my chiropractor, Dr. Aaron Nodell, right. um, my, all my training partners too, you know, in wrestling, it's basically the antithesis of social distancing. You're, <laughs> you're wrestling, you know, men and women, guys and girls, um, every single day. And we have a great system of, of Cal- Calgary high school students that I train with, um, of varsity team members, um, my training, my main training partner, Daniel Lapid, who also qualified for the Olympic Games in Tokyo with me. Um, there's just this huge team of support, and I'm just incredibly thankful for all of them. That is, that's amazing and, and well well laid out, so thank you for sharing that. A couple things you brought up there I want to ask you about. We, we're all familiar with Rocky, and you know, there's Mick in the corner, a corner man. What, is a, what, what do you need when you're in an event? What do you need to hear? What do you hear from the people in your corner? Yeah, so typically Paul is just in my corner. (laughs) And um, I think the most important aspect of it is the conversation that we have um, the night before the competition to prepare what what our purpose is, you know, how we're going to achieve that purpose. And so typically, again, you know, we set a purpose for the competition or a kind of overall goal for the competition. And then we kind of set three key um, markers that will allow me to accomplish that goal. And so, I mean, I will come up with those things. I'll share them with him. He'll provide some feedback, some tweaks to them. And, and then we'll kind of talk about some keywords. And then, 
you know, in the moments before I compete, we typically have a conversation where we kind of, we look at each other and I tell him like, I need to be disciplined, um, you know, pay my position and, and focus on moving with my hands or whatever the goals are for that competition. We, you know, you know, two minutes before the match starts, I, I, I reaffirm them to him what I'm trying to accomplish. And he, you know, is like, yeah, you got it. This, you got this. And, um, and you know, it, it, I think we've been working together so well. So in the actual wrestling match, you know, I'm out there on the mats and, and he's about, you know, 10 feet away in the corner. Um, and sometimes there will be technical things that he'll yell at me, like, you know, like hand down to the ankle, or even he might say like, you know, right leg is open. And so I kind of have to respond in real time and, and identify those openings. Um, and then, <laughs> and then there's like, it's interesting because wrestling is like this, um, it's like this sweaty chess match, yep. you know, like you're, you're trying to accomplish, um, technical and tactical outcomes against a body that is also trying to, to bend you against their will as well. And, you know, in real time, in your mind, you're thinking about, um, you know, you're thinking about emotionally regulating and physically regulating your body. You're thinking about what you're trying to do, how you're going to try and pull or push or create a reaction or a movement, um, you know, execute and level change. So there's so much like verbal, kinesthetic, internal information that's all coming at the same time in real time. And you need to process that and then create action. And I guess for me, that's why I love the sport so much because you're, it's like decision-making in real time. And um, it's just, it's so intense and so beautiful and everything happens so quickly, but also at the same time, it just happens um, without thought. And so instinctually, um, and it's just, it's like the funnest, coolest thing sure. in the world. Yeah. But but you talk about the intellectual component. What about the emotional component? You know, do you do you, you get angry? Do you get do you are you calm? How would you describe the emotional state that you need to be in to be successful? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like a it's a it's a paradoxical experience because on one hand, like it is a fight, and yeah. I'm like, there is no effing way this person is going to take me down you know <laughs> like it's like <laughs> you know it's like so I have this like intensity in my heart uh when I compete but then at the same time I have this like utter um emotion emotionless emo like I have there's zero emotions attached to the thought process and to and the and the physical outcomes like you know in the sport of wrestling you can get punched in the face you can get choked out you know you're that person's like beating you down and it's like, and you can't, and there's, you can't attach any emotion to that because it's just part of the process. And I, and I know that the referee is there to manage any things that are outside the lines of, um, of the rules. But I also know that, you know, you need to, um, be focused on what you're trying to do. And so, um, emotionally, I'm actually very disconnected when I'm wrestling and people might see that in, in photos that I post or in a video. Like, I think I even, I, 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 want, I go back and I watch video of the Olympic games and it's like the, the whistle blows and I just kind of, the match ends and I look over the score clock and I assess the score, you know, it was 
the final was six nothing, and I was like, okay, I just won the Olympics. Because I was like so disconnected from the emotionality of it. Wow. And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it like took me like a couple, a second to like kind of, kind of return back into like, yeah. you know, normalcy, I guess. And, and it's, you know, people that know me think it's funny because in real life I'm so like animated and like energetic and like, yeah. and emotional and, then when I get into game mode, it's like a totally different side of me. How um, you mentioned the officials? How how dirty can your sport be within the rules? How how ugly and mean does it get when you were competing at the highest level? <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people say that women's wrestling is even worse than men's wrestling because we're like real nasty, you know, <laughs> with each other. <laughs> and I like to think that. I have kind of a reputation that I'm like, you know, people know, like, don't F with me. <laughs> like, cause I, I'm like tough and I wrestle, uh, very, with a lot of physicality, uh, one might say, but, um, it can, yeah, it can get like, it can get pretty bad. And sometimes even in training with your team, it can get really intense. Um, you know, like, and I think even, I think in training, I actually allow a little bit more bandwidth mo of emotionality. And like, I actually had this little like spat with one of my teammates. Uh, <laughs> he's a varsity wrestler and he and I were kind of like hand fighting, kind of really tough. Um, and then, you know, he kind of, it's, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it's kind of like, you know, he might've like ran me into the wall on a takedown and then I'm like, you know, and then I'm kind of like, look at him. And I'm like, what was that? And then, you know, we're continuing to wrestle. And then like, I make sure like I take him down hard onto the ground. And like, you know, maybe this sounds so bad for people, but it's, but I think at the end of the day though, that, so that was like a two minute go sure. and wrestling in the room. And at the end of the day, I like, we, I like shook hands. Like at the end of that two minutes, I was like, damn like that was a good go like yeah we like shook hands and we walked away and like for me i have like so much mutual respect that and i think there's a lot of mutual respect there that you know we're pushing each other to the limits maybe a little bit further and you know we did it in a state we did it safely like we're not trying to hurt each other but there is that intensity in wrestling that is not really apparent in any other sport and i think that's why it's such a great tool to teach kids and about you know what does it mean to be emotionally regulated and to control those emotions and and that's and I do that in training I you know that every day in training we push those limits and I so that's why in competition on the world's biggest stage like I am so focused and disciplined in my approach to you know executing what I want to execute well that's the purity of sport isn't it that you compete as hard as you possibly can, and then you shake hands and 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 you move on. That that to me is what the the highest compliment that you can pay to a sport, right? Oh, I think so. I think so. I think amongst wrestlers, you know, we have so much respect for each other because we know the grind every single day to get to the highest level, and uh, and no, there are no shortcuts. And that's yeah, that's yeah. probably why. I love it so much. Who who gives you trouble? Who what kind of opponent out there? Is it the quiet ones? Is it the loud ones? Is there is there one 
you know, one type of opponent that kind of you have to be wary of or might get you off kilter? Like mentally? Yeah. Or... Just as you prepare for them. Is there, you know, is there somebody who does something crazy? Is there somebody out there who's, you know, dirtier or pa- more passive or just, you know, there's always seems to be that one, you know, individual <laughs> that kind of causes somebody a little trouble, right? Yeah. Well, from a personality perspective, I think that, um, you know, again, that, that is so outside of the purity of the sport of wrestling. And so the way that they approach their lives or approach competition for me, I know I, I really try and manage my own personal approach. And so I don't let any of that interfere with my own preparations. And so, you know, whether they're being really loud at weigh-ins or quiet or, you know, we, we all warm up together um, on the warm-up mats, just on the other side of the competition mats. And so, you know, but you're in your own zone in that moment. So I don't let any of that affect me. Um, in terms of actual competition, um, you know, I'm a dynamic athlete. Um, you know, I think when, when I get into wrestling, that's when I'm at my best. And so opponents that, you know, are, you know, trying to avoid wrestling me and trying to stall and and keep the match close and not, not try and wrestle. That's probably the one I have the hardest, hardest time with them. And so I'm just trying to keep, you know, creating wrestling opportunities to really, um, allow myself to, to showcase the hard work that I put in, in, in competition. I think the last time you and I spoke, you had just finished in India in the, uh, in the wrestling <laughs> Tell for the benefit of the listeners. Tell us a little bit about the pro la- pro wrestling loop that you were on in in India and what that was all about. Yeah. So after the twenty sixteen Olympic Games, they had uh, a professional wrestling league in India in January two thousand seventeen, and so the league consisted of six teams, and the players half of them were men, half of them were women. Half of them were Indian, half of them were foreigners. And so of the foreign wrestlers that went there, I was the only North American. But there were, you know, some of the best wrestlers from around the world, like Colombia, Georgia, the Ukraine, um, China. And so it was such a crazy multicultural experience living in a hotel with all of these athletes um, over the course of one month. And, uh, and I was the team captain of the Mumbai Maharati. And so, you know, I kind of led my team into, into battle every single night. And on my team, I had an Azerbaijani guy who was an Olympic bronze medal in 2016. He had a 97 kilo Ukrainian man. We had a 48 kilo Colombian and the rest of the team were Indians. And, uh, we actually lost our first two matches and it was really disappointing you know we lost as a team and it was really tough for the team and so I remember like after that second match we lost I was like everybody team meeting my room like eight o'clock um and so we had um a team meeting and the team manager came in and I and you know even some of the people were not used to having a team meeting they thought that I was gonna like unleash on them and then I just kind of tried you know I tried to assess we, we assessed where we went wrong and in some of the matches, you know, we, we, I looked at, you know, what the strengths of our team were and how we really needed to come together to, um, you know, bring our thing back on, 
back on track. And, you know, I'm speaking in English. And then the team manager, he would then translate into <laughs> Hindi to the Indians. And then they would kind of translate into their own um, local languages amongst themselves. And then the Ukrainian guy, thank goodness, spoke English a little bit so that he would translate into Russian for the Azerbaijani guy. And then I would turn to the Colombian woman and kind of speak in broken English and Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. But, um, and, and at the end of the meeting, we were all like on the same page. We went undefeated for the rest of the season and uh, we ended up losing in the semifinals, but um, it was just a crazy ride and I'll have those friends um, for life. How, how would you describe the, the atmosphere? What were, what, what because, um, the, you, tra did you travel around? Did you go to on the road and, and play and compete at home? How did that work? Yeah. So every night, actually, we, we always competed in Delhi in the same arena. Oh, okay. So there was okay. that consistency there. Um, and so every night, you know, there was anywhere from five to 10,000 people in the audience. Um, it was a crazy production with, you know, lights and fireworks and drummers and just crazy fans. And you can actually, so you, it's all the matches are live on, on YouTube. So if anyone's interested, they can just Google Eric Weed, Mumbai, or Indian PWL Pro Wrestling League, and it'll all come up if you're interested. And I think even there was one iconic moment because there, there was a lot of drama in the league. And, you know, I got actually saw quite a lot of the underbelly, um, the dark underbelly of sports in terms of a lot of unfortunate things that do occur in, in the world of sports, especially internationally. Um, you know, like... Anyways, <laughs> all the things. Yeah, yeah. But, and at one point, I had kind of, I had actually sustained this injury in training where I split open my eyebrow, and I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could um, take the night off and, and let it heal and not compete. And then the, my my team owners were, we were having conversations, we were trying to do it, and and then the other t owners from the other team we were competing that night were like she needs to wrestle. And, and anyway, so I actually ended up like cutting open my eye during the match. And I was like, there's blood everywhere. And then they like, they like taped it up. And then, and then I ended up pinning the opponent who was an Olympic bronze medalist, um, from Sweden, who's a great friend of mine, but I came back and beat her at the last moment. And then I like turned to the other team and I like, and I like took my finger and I like put it against my throat and it's like, you guys, I don't know. I you like, can't do like, that in the NHL. Yeah. I was like, who am I? <laughs> so needless to say, that was like quite quickly. The WWE was like, we need this girl. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, it was, I, you know, I loved it. I did really enjoy like the theatrics of wrestling in the pro league. And, uh, I'm pretty big in India. So it's, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, does that was it just the one year for you, Erica, or is, would you go back, or how does it how did it work? Yeah, I did compete that one year, and then they what did have a second a third season actually. There was a season right before the Olympic Games, um, and I was not able to attend that year just because it was actually a pre Olympic year. It was in it was in 2019, and I just felt like I needed to focus on you know preparing for the Tokyo Games okay. training. So I didn't go, and I, you know, I really hope that they will have the league again, you know, following the Olympic Games, and I, I would love to attend. Oh, so you would go back? You would oh, go in back. a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, you kind of made light of it, but 
again, back to the previous time we talked, um, you were, I believe, on the way down for a visit to the WWE Performance Center. Did you did you end up going down and visiting? Yes, I did go back and visit. I did not go back. I did go and visit the WWE and have kind of a, an official tryout to, to check it out. And when they had invited me and... Um, and it was really amazing, you know, to see the behind the scenes, got to see a live SmackDown live taping, um, and then to spend a couple of days at the Performance Center training with a group there. There's a lot of differences <laughs> between freestyle wrestling, what I do, and, and professional wrestling, but I, I love learning new skills. Um, I think, you know, what excites me the most about sport is just the process of mastery. And so I really enjoyed, you know, learning these new skills and just you know, a different way of moving. Um, ultimately, I knew that I wanted to go back to the Tokyo Olympic Games. I wanted to try and do the impossible twice, I guess. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. So you haven't closed the door on it, but you just have more pressing matters. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, I mean, I never crossed, I never closed the door on any opportunity. So that's how I would describe it, yes. Um I do want to know, you mentioned, and I, I'm not sure I caught the first, but mastery about you have this desire for perfection, right? That that's the goal is to, you talked about consistency, you talked about mastery. Is that what drives you as an athlete? Yeah, 1000%. Um, I love the process of training, the process of mastery. Um, I don't think like the perfect wrestling match is possible, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to try to attain it. And when I think about competition, um, whether that is, you know, a domestic competition here in Canada or the World Championships or the Olympic Games, those competitive opportunities are just an opportunity to perform what I do every single day and kind of throw down the gauntlet and test, um, you know, how you show up when all the chips are on the line. And so I love the process of training, you know, that process of mastery, but I also love the opportunity to compete and to try to, you know, put together a perfect performance when everything's on the line. So we started off talking about essentially the more recent news, which is the postponement of the, of the Olympics. How do you think, because Olympic athletes are based on the quadrennial. How do you think today without knowing what the next year might look like in terms of preparation? Because now that you, assuming you qualify, which we believe you have, you won't have to go through that process, but how would you, how would you plan the next year to prepare for Tokyo? Yeah, well, they still haven't announced even when the games would be. So they yeah. said at the very latest, they would start on July 23rd, 2021, which would be one year out. Um, you know, there's potential for them to be in January or February. There's really so many unknowns. There's so many unknowns here in Calgary when we'll be able to return to normal training, when we'll be able to go get back into the Canadian Sport Institute, to be able to get back onto the mats. Um, and so... You know, right now it's so hard to set out a plan. Mm. Um, but I also know I've been doing this for a really long time. And so the accumulation of training that I've experienced over the last, um, you know, 10, 
12 years as a high performance athlete here in Calgary doesn't just disappear overnight. And I'm confident in my team that we're going to set up a plan. So whenever the time comes, I'll be ready. Support Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member. It's easy and free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. With Erica Weeb, Olympian, but also Erica Weeb, Ambassador. And that's what I want to shift to now. Um, You recently became the first ever provincial sports ambassador here in Alberta. Tell me a little bit about that role and what it entails. Well, I've received so many amazing experiences through sport in my lifetime. Um, you know, amazing community connections, amazing tools. Um, and so I feel like I will never be able to pay back what I received from sport. Um, and I do think, though, that I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that right now we're at an incredibly difficult point in time where I think sport can play an incredible role in bringing people together and ensuring individuals' mental and physical wellness. Um, You know, I would argue, in fact, that over the next couple months and and years as we recover from this, because I I do feel like it will take years, um, we're going to need sport more than ever. And so when they approached me to take on this role, um, without a doubt, I knew that I wanted to be a voice of change within our government. I wanted to be, you know, have take on an advocacy role within the province of Alberta to to try and ensure that we had the proper infrastructure and funding so that all Albertans can have access to sport opportunities. And, you know, I'm an Olympic champion. I'm an, I'm an Olympian. Um, I've been involved in high performance sport, you know, my whole life. But, you know, sport at every level at every age has so many incredible benefits and we need those community infrastructure opportunities. We need community programs and we need community leaders to step up. And so if I can do any small part in educating and empowering um, community leaders to continue to do the amazing work that they do. um, And if I can always try to encourage to be that little bug in you know the province's ear that you know we need increased funding for sports um, at every level. That's that's my mission. Where do you where do you see the greatest need? Um, and my observation, and it's just my opinion, but I'm curious where you would come down on it. It seems to me we're almost to a point now where we have to encourage free play. That we we almost have to recruit parents to allow their kids just to go outside and try new things and and do different things. Where, where do you see the biggest challenges right now? Yeah, it's so hard. I'm, I'm a little bit removed from, you know, that grassroots free play level. Um, when I do see kids in the, in the wrestling communities and across all sports, you know, I think there is some gaps in basic physical literacy skills. Um, and so, you know, I think at every level there are some major gaps. And I think as a society, um, you know, we can make some changes. I think that there's a big role that the education system can play in minimizing those gaps, um, in providing quality, you know, physical activity opportunities for kids in schools. Um, 
and you know, but that's something that we're that's not the sports sector, that's also the education sector that they need to help manage. Um, I think, yeah, I made a good point. Parents do need to encourage free play, um, and even maybe encourage act, being active themselves. And so, uh, there's lots, there's so much oh, yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. You, if I remember correctly, you found wrestling around high school, right? Yes, that's correct. What, but that can't be the only sport you've ever played. What other sports were you active in or are active in? Yeah, I was really fortunate as a kid. We um, did lots of sports in high school. I did um, basketball, lacrosse, soccer, country, cross-country running, track and field, volleyball, wrestling, um, pretty much every sport I did. And in fact, last week I kind of, I put out through my social media that I would be interested in talking with anybody, any young wrestler across Canada that, um, you know, was feeling, feeling down about our national championships being the high school national championships being canceled or postponed. So I actually spoke to a bunch of different wrestlers from across the province and the country. And one of the little girls, you know, she's in grade eight. She's very intense, very, very much reminds me of myself at that age. You know, she's very focused on, on wrestling and judo. And so my one challenge to her was, I was like, you need to try out for three other sports in high school next year, because, you know, for me, I am incredibly agile and athletic on the wrestling mat. And that's because I was exposed to all of these different sports because of all of these different skills that, you know, make me a better, um, a better athlete and therefore, you know, the best, one of the best wrestlers in the world. And, you know, there's so many of the NHL guys like Andrew Ference, you know, former captain of the Flames. He's a huge proponent of multiple sports skills. And, you know, I have a penchant for Giordano Chara. He's not yep. a great hockey player, but his dad was actually a Bulgarian national team wrestler. And, uh, and so, you know, I think athletes at the elite level, you don't see early specialization. You see um, early, you know, broad sport experience that has created these, you know, little machines. Here, here. Um, did we nearly lose you to another sport? Was there ever a crossroads for Erica Weeb, you know, between choosing, you know, lacrosse or wrestling or anything? Did you ever have to make a decision? So my dream as a little girl was to play soccer for nope. Team Canada. Um, and, and you know, and I was in a very, I was early on in a, in a kind of a club level soccer team. And I played that all the way up until grade 12. And so in the summer of grade 11, I actually rolled my SATs. Um, I was being recruited from a different, couple different colleges in the U.S. And about 10 girls from my soccer team went and pursued academics on scholarship in the U.S., but at that same time, yeah, I was at that nexus where yeah. I had, you know, was starting to really love wrestling. Um, I had had some success early on in wrestling and I had to make that tough decision. You know, do I kind of give up on my childhood goal of, you know, playing soccer in the U.S. and, and you know, seeing that career in soccer or do I try and take a new path and and wrestle and see how far that can that can put me. And so I guess at the beginning of grade 12, I had made the decision that I was going to wrestle. And, you know, this is pretty funny because then in my high school yearbook, 
at the end of grade 12, I wrote, see you in 2012. Um, you know, I had this big, audacious, kind of like cocky goal of being in the Olympic Games in 2012. And uh, I obviously didn't make it. You know, I, I had moved to Calgary in the fall of 2007. And so, um, you know, just over four years go by of me training every single day. And I, I miss out on making the Olympic team. Um, but obviously that didn't stop me from, you know, giving up on that goal. In fact, it reaffirmed that I had actually left a lot on the table undone in terms of mentally preparing, um, in terms of taking care of the little things physically, technically. And so four years later, I, you guys saw me on the mats in Rio and I had no regrets. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I mentioned you were the ambassador for sport for Alberta. If I have it right, I don't, I'm not sure I got all of them. Fast and female, uh, right to play, kids sport. You mentioned advocacy, like you're going to town. I mean, where did that come from? Why did, why the advocacy? Why, why do, why commit to all of these different causes? I think early on, I just saw sport as a tool for, you know, social change. Hmm. Um, you know, it brings people together. Um, it, you know, it brings hope and humanity. And, you know, I saw that I saw the world through sport and I also saw the challenges and struggles here at home and abroad. And so, you know, I felt like Tool is such a great vehicle to accomplish so many things. Um, and there's so many great organizations. And so I felt like, you know, trying to use my time and my platform to bring, you know, light to these amazing, amazing, amazing organizations. And, and Right to Play does a lot of work in um, globally yep. in using sport as a tool for education, uh, for social justice, for gender equality. And so that hits on that kind of global bucket, um, right? Fast and female is an organization that promotes women and girls to stay involved in sport. And, you know, obviously as a young girl in a very non-traditional sport of wrestling, I was so fortunate to have amazing role models that, you know, never once allowed me to question my space and my place in this, in the wrestling rooms of Canada and the world. <laughs> um, and then of course, kids sport, you know, it's, it's an organization that provides funding to kids and families that cannot afford the the cost of sport. And, you know, I see that as the perfect tool to ensure that all kids have an opportunity to learn the skills and values that sport um, teaches. So, you know, I see these organizations doing really great, really different work, um, all trying to accomplish the same goal. And so, um, you know, I got nothing but time in my hands, right, <laughs> right, Rob? So, you know, I try and I try and just do as much as I can. Well, and, and yeah, more. but part of, I mean, the reason I, I, I think you're wonderful and I, and I just love everything you do because it just seems like you're there all the time. And, that, and you just told us, <laughs> well, no, but you just told a story about, hey, look, the, the championships got canceled. If you need to talk, talk to me. And people are reaching out. Like, I, I just... You, it seems like the right place, the right time. It has to feel like destiny a bit, doesn't it? All of this coming together. <laughs> In a way. Yeah. You know, I like, I um, was trying to think about like what Tokyo 2020 would be, would like, what would be kind of that, this chapter in my book, what would be the theme of this chap 
during the book of my life. I was I was thinking about that about that a lot over the past year. Um, you know, it's easy to look back and and you know I've written the chapter of 2016, and so now I was thinking, you know, what does 2020 mean for me? Um, you know, it's going to be incredibly difficult to repeat. I want to. I know I'm capable of it, but does anything change? You know, being two-time Olympic champion would be really, really cool. But, you know, what can I accomplish that's bigger than me in through sport? Um, and so, yes, when I think about, you know, where we are at as a society today in this moment, um, you know, alone in our homes, experiencing anxiety and fear around the uncertainty of, you know, our individual lives and our collective lives. Um, I definitely hope that in some small ways I can, I can help, you know, whether it's that one kid that is so frustrated that he's worked so hard over this season to wrestle the national championships. And if I can just tell him that, you know, he won't lose any of the, that hard work and that it'll pay off dividends in the long term. you know, if I can, if it's just for that one kid, then for me, um, you know, that's enough. All right. I want to lighten the mood a little bit. I'm not a gambler, but if I were to lay a bet on 2024, Eric Weeb, would I bet on Eric Weeb going to become a three-time Olympic champion? Would I bet on Erica Weeb defending her WWE title? Or would I bet on Erica Weeb um, running for office in, in some <laughs> level of government? Where, where's the smart money in the next five years, do you think? Hey, Rob, I don't do any form of insider trading, okay? <laughs> so what we're going to have to do is pay attention, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to maintain my integrity as an athlete and as a person, and uh, I'm going to let you place that bet wherever you feel is right through your own vocation. I'm going to go with what the masses want, three-time Olympic champion. That's where I'm going. Um, tell me about Calgary, because you're an Ottawa gal, right? But... Or, or are you a Calgarian now? How do you how do you bridge that? Ooh, it's tough, you know. Born and raised in Ottawa, um, but my fa- my family, you know, my family is through sport is in Calgary. You know, my entire life is in Calgary. Um, this is where I call home. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, do you have cowboy boots and a hat? Not obviously. that that. Huh? Come on, obviously. <laughs> obviously, all right. <laughs> Um, uh, the question that I want to leave you with is one that we ask all of our guests. Um, give me a hidden YYC gem. Give me a, your hidden Calgary gem. And I don't want to give you too many parameters, so it can be anything. But when we all come out of this, you know, we've been listening to the podcast. We want to take a few notes. Erica Weeb said I should maybe visit this or try this or go here. What's that hidden Erica Weeb YYC gem? I don't know if it's hidden. A lot of people use them. But, you know, I love the Crescent Heights Hill Stairs. And, you know, you, you, you run up to the top. You're out of breath. Your body is shaking with fatigue <laughs> and lack of oxygen. <laughs> and then you turn around and you see the bow. You see the city. You see the sun setting over the Rocky Mountains. And for me, that just encapsulates um, all that it is to be a Calgarian. 
you are the second person to bring it up. Ah, damn it. No, no. <laughs> you got to be competitive on everything, eh? I know. You got to be first to everything. It's my greatest strength but my biggest weakness. <laughs> Don't play board games with me. It's the worst. No, really? <laughs> yes. I. It's like I hate it or I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> Um, thank you for doing this. Um, as I said before, you're such an amazing person and a, and a wonderful ambassador for all of this. Um, try to stay, I guess, active, busy, whatever you can at home right now. I guess that's the challenge for someone like yourself, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate um, just to be staying busy, to to find lots of different tools. Um, and uh, I'm going to try and do some new projects on the in the works so that's kind of cool um and i, I guess i want to say thanks to you rob you know because i feel like you show up every single day as just this voice um for sport and for community and what you do you do so well like it's just insane um you know i felt like you had 10 minutes notice to set up this interview and i was like does he even you know have questions for me and like you're just you just you just you're in it every single day and, you know, you're just such a blessing for our city. So thanks for all the work that you do. Hey, you are too kind. You're too kind. Okay, we will catch up with you. But, Eric, I appreciate this. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that is, uh, wow. Thank you, first of all. Uh, very kind of Erica. Uh, I appreciate that. But um, any, all of that and more back to her. She is such a role model. Uh, for all athletes, female, uh, male, does not matter. Uh, she's a great Canadian uh, representative, a great Olympian, uh, better person, and uh, love love the honesty, love the chats in there, love the fire, the passion. Um, and back to that question, my hope is four years from now we're talking about going back and becoming the the three time Olympic champion. That that's what I want to uh, definitely definitely do uh, have that conversation. Oh boy, we, speaking of conversations, we got some good ones. Uh, if you haven't heard already, uh, go back into the archives. You can do that at Sport Calgary. Go back and listen to some of these uh, original Six Feet Conversation podcasts. Among my favorites, they're all my favorites, so that's the wrong way to put this. Um, if you like comedy, check out uh, Trent McClellan. Uh, if you like country music, check out George Canyon. Um, Flames, Peter Marr, uh, and I think we got some other ones coming up. Uh, you're going to really, really love. Um, oh, I got to tell you about Randy Chevrier. Randy Chevrier, to this date, is our longest, um, almost two hours, checking in almost two hours. Uh, what a chat there. Kind of like this one. And, and I, I forgot. How could I forget Cassie Campbell Pascal? I cannot. She's, she's coming up. So check it out. We got a lot coming up. Enjoying every minute of it. Thank you. Thanks to Erica Weeb. We will be back. Thanks for joining us today. We'll, and, and if you liked it, make sure you tell some friends. Uh, let's get as many people uh, on these conversations as possible, learning a little bit more about the people in sport in our city and a little bit more about our city. And uh, by the way, uh, pretty cool, her hidden gem in Calgary. Uh, this has been an original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary. I'm Rob Kerr. You know who you are. We'll see you soon. 